here's the thing. It's just a phase, right? So many of you have received this as an encouragement, right? Because when you're in this phase and maybe your baby's crying, maybe the first six months of their life they were, had a reflux and they just kept crying and crying and crying. I'm just theoretically waking this up. And, they're like, and people will say, you're, you're like sleep deprived, right? And people say what? Don't worry, honey. It's just a phase. And you're consoled by that. And then you get to the toddler phase and you're having tea parties and reading books with Elmo. And you know you're in public. This never happened to you guys, but use your imagination. You're in public and they throw the temper tantrum. Not just a tantrum, like the tantrum to end all tantrums. And everybody's watching you and they are judging you. You know they're judging you. And then a sweet old lady, she's a grandma, you know she is. She comes up to you and she says, honey, it's, it's okay, honey. It's just a, just a phase. And then you get through that phase and you move on to teenage years. And you, maybe you've given them a desk just like this that they don't use. And maybe you're going through a hard time with your teenager and they don't like you. In fact, they tell you they hate you all the time and they don't want to follow your rules. They'll sleep in your roof and, and it's just really, really hard and you're at the end of your rope and you call a mom and she says, honey, it's just like, they'll remember they love you someday. And then you get to the, I'm not even talking about that because my daughter's 15 and I don't want to go there. The last time I shared this illustration, I think maybe the first time, Ella was 10. Now our youngest, Hudson, he's 10. And here's the problem with it's just a phase and all those other parentisms, things like don't blink, time flies. If you blink, they're going to already be graduated. You know what the problem is with all those? They're true because it is just a phase and they move through it quicker than you could ever imagine. Amen? But here's the problem. The danger is that if I console myself with it's just a phase so that I can survive the hard parts. Any survivors out here? <laughs> My wife laughing loudly on the front row. <laughs> I love the look over at our youth pastor, Parker, his son. It's like you, you made him have some hard moments, Parker, or something. You're a gift. You're a gift, man. Here's the problem. If I console myself to survive the hard parts with it's just a phase, I might miss the opportunity to treasure all the good in every single phase. And so just like the video said, it's just a phase, but don't miss it. And we're unapologetically talking to parents today. But whatever phase your season that you're in in your life, how many know it's easy to take some things for granted and miss the moments? So apply this message in whatever way you need to. And, and sometimes it's hard to, to wrap our head around just how quick things pass by, right? Um, so Hudson's 10 and Jack is 12. Ella's now 15. Um, and that time, it does fly, let me tell you. Um, but there's a little illustration that I thought I'd share with you. Some of you have seen this before. To help make it a little more concrete, 
about how quick the time goes. That is 936 marbles. That's one marble for every week from when you bring that adorable baby home from the hospital. And if it's your first one, isn't that scary? You're like, I don't want to break it. But you bring that baby home from the hospital until the week that they graduate, an average of 936 weeks. And it seems like a lot, doesn't it? I mean, that's a lot of marbles. I mean, you could make a lot of memories and do a lot of things with 936 marbles. But if your child is nine years old, you've already lost half your marbles. Hudson's 10, and let me tell you, we have lost half our marbles. That's 468 marbles. And if you're at 468 marbles, there are only 312 marbles until they get their driver's license. And when they're 312 marbles until they get the driver's license, then they, you probably only have about four more family vacations before they move out. You know they're supposed to do that, right? They're supposed to move out. They're, and they're going to move out. And the moments that you have now, you never get back. And you'll still be in relationship, and they'll still visit, and especially when they're in college, they will come for laundry, and they will come for food and money. They come a lot more often in college. But you never get back these moments. These 936 weeks, 936 weeks to create memories and to treasure every single phase. Now, I'm not trying to depress all the parents in the room, but what I am trying to do is to make real the opportunity that we have. Because if we can realize how quick the time passes, how quick we are losing our marbles. Maybe, just maybe, we could be more intentional about how to make this marble count. How to make this week count. And we don't get to do that without becoming a whole lot more intentional in how we use our time. Everybody say time. Time is what these marbles are about. Time is what you can never get back once it's spent. There's a story in the Bible. Uh, I'm going to read it from Mark 9. And the, the header over the story, it says, Jesus heals a demon-possessed man. Or boy, sorry, demon-possessed boy. And that is 100% true. I'm not trying to change the Bible. But I'm actually not reading this to talk about the boy or to talk about Jesus, because it could just as easily have a header that asked a question that says, what happens when a parent does what only a parent can do? It says, when they returned to the other disciples, verse 14, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. 
Parents, if you're a parent, raise your hand. Just raise your hand. I don't care what season or phase your kids are in. They may be long gone out of the house. Parents, there are things you can do that nobody else can do for your children. Nobody else could bring his boy who was demon-possessed to Jesus the way he did. And he brought him to Jesus because he saw hope. And it goes on and says he He's possessed by an evil spirit, the father says, that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Now, I'm certain Jesus didn't say it like that. But I'm saying it like that for emphasis. Because the dad brought his son to the disciples, and the disciples couldn't do what he hoped they could do. And when Jesus came on the scene, he said, bring the boy to me. Let's be clear about something here on this family day. And we're talking about our children and our youth, and we're talking about young adult ministry. We are not asking you to bring your children to us to bring your children to Bethel Harvest Church, to our volunteers, to our staff. We're not asking you to bring your children to us. We're asking you to bring your children to Jesus because Jesus never fails. Listen, if you hang out here long enough, you, you may, no, not even maybe. If you hang out here long enough, we're going to disappoint you at least once or twice. It'll probably be somebody else, not me, but somebody will. It's inevitable. Why? Because we're not perfect. And we are not a perfect church, but you know what we are? We are a Jesus church. And when your kids come, just like Susan said, just like Travis said, we're going to disciple, we're going to give them the word of God. We're going to give them Jesus. And Jesus never fails. Jesus is never lacking in what he has to give to you, to give to your children, to carry you through. No matter how hard one of the phases is, Jesus never fails. Everybody say, Jesus never fails. Verse 20, so they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus, boy, or Jesus asked the boy's father? Why didn't he ask the disciples? Because they didn't know. They didn't know what this boy's daddy knew about him. The history, the journey, they didn't know. Parents, I know it. Your kids are going to get to a place where they don't care what you think. And they're going to act like you don't know nothing. How many been there? Just say, uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Don't look at your kids with that look right now if they're in the room. They're going to get to that place, right? But you've got to be able to anchor back to the Jesus that is the answer. And you've got to be able to anchor back and realize that there are things that you know about your kid that nobody else knows. I don't care how cool they are, how style, you, you might not be able to tell them what to wear. I'm starting to encounter that one now. Ellis, I was at, at the shoe store and she was like, dad, those are dad shoes. You, can't, you can't, can't wear those. I didn't know that New Balance shoes are dad shoes. She Googled dad shoes and it pulled up. The first, first result was a pair of New Balance shoes. I was like, oh, guess I'm not getting those no more. Listen, no matter how cool they get, my son totally has more style than me. 
Hudson, he doesn't care. He just has good dance moves better than me. But no matter what happens, you know your kid the way nobody else does. They're yours. God gave them to you. You have a responsibility. And Jesus may ask you some questions about your child that only you can answer. Jesus, uh, he replied, the father did, since he was a little boy. This boy had been suffering since he was a little boy. So he's not little anymore. So he's grown up a little bit. Can you imagine the desperation in that father to watch his son suffer? And yet he got a glimpse of somebody could help. And it goes on and says, the spirit, the dad says, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. And he says to Jesus, have mercy on us and help us if you can. That dad was at the end of his rope, right? How many parents have been there just say, yeah? Parents, I got good news for you. You're not alone. There is something special that happens when parents partner with others who are going to love their kids and give them the word and support them through every season of life. There's something special that happens. There's strength that comes. There's hope that comes. There's wisdom that comes. And you know, Jesus, just a moment ago when he said to the father, hey, how long is this? Jesus values this unique relationship of a father and a child, a parent and a child, sorry. But he also values the fact that we can't do it alone. Look at somebody say, you're not alone. If, if they got kids, look at them again and say, seriously, you're not alone. Verse 23, Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. So what happened that day? The crowd, they were amazed, right? Like, they were amazed. The religious leaders, they were kind of miffed because Jesus did something they couldn't do. The disciples, they got a good lesson about the power of prayer, the authority that they had. But that dad... He got his son back. Got his son back. What if that dad had let that week pass like every other week? Every other week since he was a little child. But that dad drew a line in the sand and he said, you know what? I'm going to make this week count. Are you going to make this week count? Are you going to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm going to make every week count? Which, by the way, there are different size marbles up here. Some weeks seem bigger than other weeks, don't they? Like those milestone weeks, like kindergarten, that seemed like a big week, big moment, right? But let's not underestimate the smaller ones. Like the week when you're shopping for school supplies. Help us, Jesus. or the week of final exams, or the week they get dumped as a middle schooler and the world's come to an end. Because if we overlook the little ones, we might miss the opportunity to treasure it. And so a couple things here is, one, parents, there are things that you can do that only you can do. Every parent in the room, say it like you mean it. Say, I have responsibility that no one else has. And I hope today you 
you can draw a line in the sand. You're going to get some marbles as you walk out of here. You get a little jar of marbles, one per family. And, and I know many people that to this day, they carry their marbles from the first time they heard, and they carry it in their pocket. Or they keep it on the dresser, they keep it in the car. Just as a reminder to make every marble count. You got to do things only you can do. Number two, you're not alone. You're not alone. Listen, if you try to parent alone, first of all, without Jesus, woohoo, good luck. You need some Jesus on the inside of you if you're going to parent. Because the Jesus on the inside of you is enough for your kids. But you alone, you're not enough. But the Jesus on the inside of you is enough for your kids. But you know what? Even with Jesus inside of you, God created us for community. He created us to be strengthened by community. There's this idea of widening the circle. And when we talk about widening the circle, we're talking about the circle of influence in your children's lives. And right now, when they're, when they're little, you're, you're the main part of that circle. You, you loom big. Your kids think you hung the mood. You can't do anything wrong. But as they grow and mature, who's going to be in the circle when they don't come to you? It's not a question of if the circle will widen. It's a question of how intentional will you be about it? Because more people are going to come in that circle and there's going to be times when they need wisdom, when they need counsel, when they need encouragement, when they're getting ready to make a big decision, they ain't going to talk to you about it. Who are they going to go to? We as a church want to be part of how you widen the circle. Not a perfect church, but we are a Jesus church. And when they come here, they're going to get the word. They're going to get love. They're going to get supported. They're going to be loved just the way they are, not as they should be. We want to partner with you. When you think about widening the circle, please, 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 let us be part of that. Now, we want to be part of that, but you have to choose that. You have to choose to prioritize and be intentional about making sure your kids are around those people enough that then when they need to lean into it, they're going to lean into the right people. I could not be more grateful for this spiritual family. I've raised all three of our kids here. We've been here for 22 and a half years at this church. We're, well, no, 22, because we're coming up on 23 years. And my kids' circle, I mean, like I don't have to wonder what Parker Dalton's going to say to Jack when he's having a bad day and he goes to Parker or what, Gabby or Meg are going to say, or Sarah are going to say, when Ella goes to them, because she's 15. I mean, we're pretty close, but I'm pretty sure she don't tell me everything. <laughs> Some of you parents, you still think they tell you everything. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> Let us be part of how you widen the circle. Now, this is important because we want to partner with you But let's make something clear. You get 936 weeks. The church, on a given year, if we're really good, because 52 weeks in a year, you're going to miss holidays, going to the lake, sports, just life. 42, 42, right here. 42 weeks where we get maybe an hour, two hours to pour into your kids, to partner with you, to come alongside, to tell them, yes, your parents are right. I mean, not all the time, but we get 42 weeks. Now, if you break this down, because I, I haven't shared this one before, 
936 weeks for you parents, 168 hours a week. Cut that in half because I got to sleep, right? We're down to 84 hours a week, 84 times 936. That's 78,624 hours, parents, that you have to do what only you can do to lead, to shepherd, to protect, to guide, to raise, to train your kids. But if you take this times 936, like we, we only get 936 hours. I mean, if, maybe if you double that, 1,800 and change. Who gets more opportunity, parents? Is it the church or parents? Which one? Will you make every marble count? We're gonna come alongside. We're gonna partner with you. We wanna be in that circle. But parents, you gotta do what only you can do so that when we partner with you, we're bringing strength to your strength. And there's unity in that kind of partnership. And as Pastor Marion comes, guys, my kids, me and Katie, we wouldn't be who we are without these two in our lives. Like, talk about a circle. I know if, if my kids go to, any, to either of them, they're gonna get wisdom and counsel that they need. Sometimes slapped in the backside of the head too, because they've done that too. Widen the circle. Look at somebody say, widen the circle. That's what today's about. It's about how can we widen the circle to be for you what, we, what we're supposed to be, God-ordained, right? As the church, to come alongside, to be in community, but also how can you take your responsibility for your part to do what only you can do? Come on, give God a big shout. Is that wisdom? <clears throat> Such wisdom. You know, and I think you do have those 52 weeks a year to get your children in. You, you need to be really careful what you keep your children out for. You notice I didn't say make them come. I said what you keep them out for. Because <laughs> most times they want to come. You know it's true, right? You know, there's uh, three questions that, that uh, children and youth want answered. And, and, and they're pretty simple, three questions. That simply is... What's my identity? Who am I? And we know that's true, uh, and that's one of the things we focus on in all of our ministries here, including you, because even as adults, we still are searching out to get clarity on our identity and who we are and where we're going. The second thing is, where do I belong? And that's why the mission statement of this house is so clear about Bethel is what is a place where we, where we belong, where we love just as we are not as we should be, where we believe in Jesus and his word, where we become what, who God designed us to be, where we build the kingdom of God and make a difference together. That's our four Bs. And it's interesting, three of the questions that are most significant to children, youth, young adults, and the rest of us is number one, our identity. Who are we? Why are we here? Number two, where do we belong? So Mark hit a very key component that we actually taught him many years ago because we learned this from an older minister many years ago before we ever came here to pastor. I think we just started pastoring here. And he said, you know, I said, well, you know, your kids have done real well and just God's blessed them. They're young adults. Any tips you could have? We were just waiting on a car to pick us up to go to a church service. We were going to ride together. And they said, well, number one, we made sure they had an office in the church. So, you know, 
we put a little, I said, an office? He said, yeah, right by my wife and I's office, we put a little office because they're going to spend so much time at the church, let them feel like they have something. Now, in that office, is a little TV and games and everything, but it's their office. I said, that's a good idea. He said, but the second thing is one of the most critical things is you need to determine who your children will go to when they don't go to you. And I thought, oh, you got to download that. And what he was saying was this, and we practiced this. Mark probably hears more things about, Parker will probably share more things with Mark than he does me, even about ministry or life or whatever. There's times, you know, we talk intimately, but it's a safe place for him to bounce stuff off. And I know Mark is going to give him the right answers. Pastor Chuck Balsamo, Pastor Rich, people like that and other, and some of you men in this church and, and so on, he, he knows and, and I trust what you would say to him, Michael Garrison, what you guys would say to him. And now getting ready to be DJ, right? So I trust, I only, I only promote people around my kids that, that I feel will be, be an asset to them. And it's really critical, guys, because when tough times come, you know, who are they going to go to? And what you got to realize is, is you don't wait till they're 20 to start it. If you haven't, do it. But you start it when they're very young and they don't even, the people that you believe are going to influence them, they may not even have a clue what you're doing. Because every friend in your life is not just for you, right? It affects your family. It affects your children and your children's children. So when we get those three questions answered, and I'll tell you, man, our, our, our children's ministry team, are they amazing or what? I mean, they're just amazing. And, you know, one of the things that breaks my heart is during this whole season of COVID, seeing a lot of families get out of the routine to come into church. And they think, oh, my kid's seven. They've been in church their whole life. They're fine. We'll get back in. We're still, you know, doing it online. Or they're 10 or they're 12 or they're 15 or whatever. And the problem with that is, guys, they'll do it well for a while because they got good stuff in them. But after a while, who's going to be influencing them? Wouldn't you want Jeremiah to influence your child if he was in junior church with your child? A kid like that up here? See, you got to determine who is influencing your families. He's even influencing James. He's doing great with his dad. One of the girls whispered to me, I said, man, Jeremiah, he's, he's, going, he's doing well. She said, yeah, he's just a little smarter than dad about some things. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you which daughter told me, but, uh, but it's so cute. I, I think he's a little smarter about me and a lot of things. I don't know about James, but... But guys, you, you, you gotta always be conscious. That's one of the things. We, we definitely make our mistakes. We still make mistakes with our kids. But, but one thing they know, they know we give an honest try. They know if we do something or say something stupid that we meant it from the heart, it wasn't just to hurt them, right? And, but when you got people they can go to and bounce things off of that have your values and all that, that's what's critical. So that's what breaks my heart with a lot of families is getting out of the routine. A lot of people with kids out of the nest even, but a lot of families right now, you could be in church. You go to Walmart. They go to Kroger, right? You go to wherever. You get ready to go to school. There's power. There's power when we come together because what? There's an impartation that you can't receive otherwise. And I'm not putting people down or being critical, but I'm a father and a spiritual father, and I just got to be truthful. I'm not angry or frustrated. I'm just, as a father, very concerned about where some of the children that's been doing so well in this church and teenagers for years, where will they be in eight, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months? 
And I know we'll have all kinds of meetings with Mark. I got to meet with you. My, my eight year old, my 12, my 20, my 18 year old. Yeah. And, and I don't want to sit there and say, I told you so. Well, you know, they were doing great two years ago. And <laughs> well, you know, we were busy and th- no. So it's really critical. So you want them to have the word and the revelation. Now, here's a great statement, and I stole this statement. I love it. And it's this, our children may forget what we teach them, but they will never forget what God does through them. Our children may forget what we teach them, but they, they will never forget what God does through them. Are they going to experience what God does through them on a regular basis at school or on their sport team or their, their fun activities? or with the neighborhood kids, they might a little bit, but mostly where they're going to experience God moving in their life is when they come together with the other young believers and they partner together and they see each other win and grow and do things together. So it's really critical. We give them spiritual wins as well. I'll read this scripture, and then I want to pray over the parents. I want to pray over our leaders and our schools. And you've heard me share this scripture before. It's out of Psalm, Psalm 22. And uh, it says this, I'll read it to you out of the NLT. It said, our children will serve him. Future generations will hear about the Lord and his righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. Let me say it, read it again. Our children will, it's, uh, it's Psalm 23, verses 30 and 31. Our children will, will serve him. Future generations will hear about the Lord, his righteous act, about his, the Lord and his righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. And you know, instead of complaining about the world, why don't you make a difference? And the greatest difference you can make are with those children you influence. And I'm not just speaking to parents, and I'm not just speaking to grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins. I, I so appreciate the shoemakers. My goodness, man. Here she is getting ready to give birth to another beautiful child. They got the little dude there and them. And, and you know, she underplayed it. She was an awesome track star. I mean, she was a big track person in college, too. So she's an amazing athlete, too. But to see them, and they have businesses and things they do on the side, have such a passion to say, we just really, if you need us, we'll serve. We want to we reach our young adults. And we have a passion for it. And Steph kept trying to sell them off. Well, you want to wait a few months? You want to, you know, maybe wait till fall? Maybe you've delivered and you get a breath? Or No, 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 we'll do it. We'll do it. We're fine. We got this. We need to do it now before school starts. We got to get them now. And so, man, with people like that, that want to minister to your college-age kids and Maybe they've never went to college, but they're at that age, or, or kids, that's, young adults that's out of college now. So what an opportunity we have here. And I just want you to realize you impact. So you and I impact. I love kids. They call me kind of the kid whisperer. So kids come to the office. They're usually hanging out in my office or whatever because I just love kids. And, you know, that's something Parker has always had. He's been like a little guru. Even when he was a little guy, kids is following him around, and especially the younger ones. And then that's his favor on your life. And, you know, you have favor on your life. There could be a kid at school or in your neighborhood or a friend of your child or whatever. And and you could bring them to church. Their parents don't. Or you could minister to them. You could just love them. You could just be there for them. You could be that sounding board. You could coach them up. You could disciple them. Never underestimate how you can make the difference in a young one's life. Because if you want to change your city, 
your neighborhood, your city, and your world, it starts with those right there that are young. And then it says what? Then those that have not been born, that are not yet born, will hear about God and his righteous acts. In the New King James, uh, it says this. It says, they will come and declare his righteousness to a people who are not yet born of all the things he has done. And it's, it's talking about it. Don't reaccount it for the next generation. So these days, these times are so critical to you. They're so critical to us. And they're so critical for the future of this nation that God has called to reach the world. Don't mistake that. God has called this nation to reach the world. We got a lot of work to do in our borders. But sometimes God takes his hands off just to let us show the ugliness so we can repent, get our act together, and get on board together and do what he called us to do. Does anybody believe that? Listen, I don't have a big issue with parties, but, you know, the donkey is not going to change this nation. And what's the other one? The elephant is not going to change this nation. And the wannabes, in-betweens, or could-bes are not going to change this nation. This nation is going to be changed by men and women of God who understand his authority, his power, and his righteousness and live it out every day and stand for him and represent the kingdom and bring a great move. You believe that? Give God a shout right now.